You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Salutations and welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Pride of Detroit brought to you now on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where we are live and now partnered. That's right. We have moved up from affiliate to partner on Twitch. Very big news. Uh, the, the coverage, you guys coming to us. During draft season, put us over the top. We are now a partner on Twitch. It means uh, more emotes, more fun, enhanced features, and the community just gets greater and greater. So follow us, twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit, and download the POD cast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get podcasts. Do what you got to do. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T on Twitter. Uh, being very clammy today. This is not uh, your boy is fighting through. Um, I don't know exactly what it is. I'm just sick. It's, it's random, random sickness. So we turn over to someone who is not as sick as me, perhaps the most unsick person on this podcast. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, mustacheless once more at Detroit on Lion, editor in chief of Pride of Detroit. How are you, Jeremy? I am good. And and yes, physically, definitely not sick. Mentally, that's that's for the listener to decide. Mm, I don't think you get to qualify as sick there. Okay. I don't think you're, you're you're still you're still on the well. Let's 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 turn it over. Let's bring in now the third man and expert on mental uh, on mental being thereness and no, I wouldn't want to say mental sickness, but being thereness. The third man, Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore pod. Ryan, how would you judge Jeremy's uh, mental being? I would say that he's disturbed because I think he's down with the sickness. Don't you? Ah, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I don't, opened the don't, door. Don't tee stuff up and not expect me to hit it out of the park. Damn is it. it. Time to bring in the Tua theme? No, no. There is never a time to bring in the Tua theme anymore. <laughs> Unless the Lions trade for Tua, which is not going to happen. Oh, don't, oh, now don't we're already going into the Tua yeah, talk. Don't. Don't. We're already getting into that. the Tua talk. Don't you, you put that on us. You can tell it's the off season now, officially the off season as the draft is in the books because uh, we are now a little looser. We're a little, uh, as I said, some of us have like mental hangovers. Others of us are just uh, spinning and going nuts. And we are now entering the period where we're getting some. So we actually have a pretty news heavy POD cast this show for you. I'm going to get into that in a second, but we are in the off season, so except expect us to be a little little looser, a little more fun, 
maybe off topic in a couple of a uh, couple of episodes down the road. May is not where you need to worry about us. You need to worry about us when it hits June and July. Listcast is around the corner, though. Listcast is around the corner. I think this year we might do something different. We might do it as a tier cast because we're doing so much on Twitch. We're going to put things into tiers. S tier, A, B, C. We'll put those wide receivers and quarterbacks in those tier. How do you feel about that, Ryan? I'm all for, you know, re, I don't know, reworking the wheel. Is that what that is? I mean, the wheel works fine, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing if we can make it rounder. I want to turn this into car talk. <laughs> yeah, more the more round wheels that we are inventing here at uh, private Detroit Ford factory. The rounder the wheels, I, I heard they roll the better. I don't know. That's I'm true. Not a, yeah. not a big car guy. Just if we want to start talking pistons, maybe. I don't know. Absolutely. I don't not. want to talk about the Pistons okay. right now. I'm <laughs> sorry. I, I know exactly where they are in the standings. Like, Oh, um, you guys were I'm, talking about the basketball team. No, no, no. I'm a, I'm a gearhead. You guys got to remember this. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, it's time to get to work. And as I said, we have a news-heavy POD cast because um, several things happened almost right after we got done with our uh with our recap of the draft and there's quite a bit that's happened with the lions roster. So Jeremy, I feel like we, we were talking about this. I think, are we going to start? I think we are going to start with carry on Johnson. So the lions have earlier this week released carry on Johnson, who is going to be running back three on the roster by all accounts. Uh, the team loses their best pass blocker and he was put on waivers and very quickly, I would say picked up, by the Philadelphia Eagles. However, it has kind of shortened up the run, the running back competition that was going to be there for the Lions. The Lions, of course, drafted Jermar Jefferson out of Oregon State in the seventh round, and his chances to maybe make the roster have maybe gone up. Well, we're going to have to see what's going on here. But what was your first impression, Jeremy? Surprised I was. Um, you know, we we talked to do Staley here on the, this podcast. And he told us what a complete back carry on Johnson was. And he's told everyone how important pass blocking is to the running back position. And as, as you said, carry on Johnson was the best option that they had there. Um, he was on the last year of his rookie deal. So it was a little bit over $2 million. I think they save a little bit over a million dollars by, by waving him. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they're putting a lot of faith into um, a rookie coming in and essentially taking over that RB3 spot. And is, is an RB3 spot the most important spot on the roster? Of course it isn't. The Lions have two good running backs in, uh, in DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams that, that, can, that are more than capable. But, I mean, we're, we're Detroit. We know how, you know, how loose those running back positions are, how, how fragile the running back position is. Um, we've, we've seen plenty of these guys get injured and them have to go down. I mean, we're just two years removed from... Do you remember all the running backs the Lions went through in 2019? Bo Scarborough was signed midseason and, and Wes Hills and like all these guys that, names that you're going to forget in a, in a couple of years. Um, this guy, you know, the RB3 has potential to play. Karrion Johnson brought pass blocking skills. He could still catch the ball. Was he as effective as a runner as he was two years ago before all the knee injuries? Of course he wasn't. But he's a capable guy who knows what to do in case he needed to be a starter. And so now the Lions are going to have to rely on either Jamar Jefferson or Rakeem Boyd or Dedrick Mills to undrafted guys. Basically, guys who weren't selected in the first 250 picks of this year's draft uh, are going to have, is going to have to slide in and, and probably play at least a little bit of a role, even if there aren't any injuries. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think 
here's the thing with the RB3 role, right? Is that Carrion Johnson had a role carved out for himself as a third down back. So it was less like, you know, he's not so important because he's RB3 on the depth chart, but he was he's viewed as a as a as a workable viable piece of that running back room because of the distinct skill set that he had. So I think it was a little bit surprising from that standpoint. Ultimately, though, I think the Lions did a lot of they did a lot of goodwill with the carry on Johnson waving because they do it now instead of later. They gave him a chance to catch yes. on with the team rather than waiting until training camp to, to make that cut. And then all of a sudden carry on's caught scrambling. I'm not saying that's the only reason they made this move. They clearly drafted Jamar Jefferson in the seventh round because Jeremy, like you said, a- as a runner, carry on looked like he lost a little bit. Okay. And okay. by a little bit, I mean, he, he definitely, he definitely lost a step. I think when it came, um, when it came to him as a runner. So, Maybe the Philadelphia Eagles need that pass blocking running back, and maybe that's why they picked him up because they clearly have some other guys there like Miles Sanders who can, um, you know, lead that running back group over there in Philly. But I, I think what the Lions clearly tried to do with this move was they they shored up the the backup position with Jamal Williams. Like they have a dynamite backup running back. I I, I would go so far as to say that I think Jamal Williams is probably in the top tier of like backup running backs in the NFL. And they have DeAndre Swift. So they have two guys. And I think that if any team goes into a season thinking, all right, we're going to lose running back one and running back two, well, then you're just pulling guys off the scrap heap anyways. Um, you know, you're, you're going to the waiver wire, you're, you're scourging, um, or you're, you know, you're, you're looking all over the place to get, a, to get a replacement. So at the end of the day, I think the Lions did a real solid by Kerryon Johnson. They gave him, you know, an, an honorable release so that he could figure out somewhere else to go and catch on. And I think the lions are still kind of set at running back. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not too concerned with the position as a whole. Yeah. I, uh, it, it sucks a little bit just because carry on was the one who, right. Like lions hadn't had a hundred yard running game since, since, uh, was it Reggie Bush? It was. Yeah, it was Reggie Bush in 2013. And, you know, carry on finally broke that damn mold. Now, obviously, it wasn't it wasn't anything spectacular. We still haven't seen a thousand yard season out of anyone the Lions have drafted since probably going back to Barry Sanders. And the, the ground game is still not there. But as Ryan said, it, it's it sucks a little because he's lost that step and He's he's from all accounts a great guy, and you always want to root for the guy, especially at a position like that, and you hope for the upside to really work out. But you look at the factors are kind of lined up against carry on. As as Ryan said, he he lost a step. He's also not one of the guys that this new this new regime like favored that was from the those from the old staff. I know Deuce spoke well of him, but I feel like when when they went and got Jermar Jefferson, maybe they didn't expect Jefferson to really be there and they think he can compete a lot, a lot stronger. But I think it is a vote of confidence in in I mean in their confidence that they think they know what they have with Jefferson. And that Johnson was just on the on the outside looking in. Uh, in their minds. So yeah, like as you say, Philadelphia picked him up right away. Uh, it's a good situation in that carry on gets a chance to go to another team right away before the cuts start coming down during, during training camp. You, I mean, he may not even make the final Philadelphia roster. He might not make the final lions roster here too. It's just one of those. What if situations now I got three points I want to make. 
Yeah. First, there I think there's a lot of speculation out there from fans saying maybe Carry on Johnson asked for this. I would say there's almost a zero percent chance of that. Zero percent. Um, if first of all, if you were to watch his Twitch streams after getting waived, uh, I believe he said his first interaction with Brad Holmes was Brad Holmes telling him that he's fired. So, and he didn't he didn't tell that story in a very pleasant way. Like like that was something that he enjoyed hearing. Um, so. I, I think you can throw that theory out the window. Two, um, you, you have to realize too, like, Karen John's never going to be a part of this team's future plans. And we've all kind of, you know, metaphorically thrown in the towel for 2021. So getting him reps in 2021, does it, does it do you any good in the long term? No, it doesn't. Does it do you any good in the short term? Maybe. Um, but ultimately, I, I understand potentially giving those reps, giving those opportunities to one of these rookies to see what you got. I, I am concerned. And to me, the, the concern isn't that you lose your number one and you lose your number two. The concern is just that you lose one of them because how often do we see a coaching staff in modern day NFL that wants to basically have a workhorse back that's taking all the carries, all the reps, first down, second down, third down. I do think DeAndre Swift and, and Jamal Williams are both capable of being three down backs. And that's something to consider. Like that, that third down role, I don't know if it would have even been here for carry on Johnson because they might've just given it to Jamal Williams because he's a hell of a pass blocker as well. But at some point they're probably going to have to rely on whoever this RB three is going to be, to be either a significant role or at least a complimentary role. And that that's a bit concerning. But that brings me to my third point, which is, listen, I'm team don't draft a running back. I'm team running backs don't have that much value. So I can't like I, if I want to stay on brand, I can't sit here and tell you losing carry on Johnson is a huge deal. I was going to say you you were like, oh, it's it's not a running back in the top 250 players drafted. And I was almost about to call you out there, right. but I figured I'm splitting hairs. But no, I mean, the, the point being is if I think you can get a running back off, of, you know, out of free agency that can be a, a role player potentially even a starter, or you can get a starter in the fourth or fifth round, then I can't sit here and tell you that Jamar Jefferson doesn't deserve to be RB3 as a seventh round pick. He, he certainly could get there. I just think it's a little bit of risk for 2021. And are the Lions willing to take risk in 2021 for the potential betterment of 2022 and 2023? Probably. And should they be? Probably. It's still a bummer to see carry on go. I think uh, I, 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 I even had my fingers crossed that maybe he would get his legs back and be potentially RB2 this year. Um, I know that was very, very wishful thinking and didn't come true. And I don't know if, if that'll really ever come true for carry on and ever again, since he's just, he's tied to that knee brace at this point, but overall it, it's not, it's not a huge loss. It's just kind of a, a demoralizing one a little bit for, for us that have been fans for him for the past three years. Yeah. It, it was more of a bummer to see him go as a, as like, as a human being, as like a fun personality with the team. So it seemed like he almost, I think we kind of talked ourselves into carry on Johnson, like, Oh, he can be the pass blocking running back and he's got a great personality and look at the rest of the awesome personalities that they have in that room. And, you know, Dan Campbell and, and everybody that they've assembled seems like they have like a football is fun mentality. So carry on's going to fit right in here. And, and to Jeremy's point, like, I mean, how often do we see guys like Antonio Gibson and James Robinson and guys who are low draft picks, UDFAs who end up playing significant roles with teams and all they needed was a shot because Hate to break it to you, but running backs kind of tend to be a dime a dozen. So I'm not fr from that standpoint, Jeremy, I'm not even concerned about like RB three, like Jamar Jefferson. 
let it loose, man. If if we're throwing in that metaphorical towel for 2021, if if things go sideways with you know Swift and Williams and Jamar Jefferson is suiting up week seven starting, cool, man. My my only <laughs> quick concern there is just pass blocking tends to be the last thing a, a rookie learns in the NFL. It's, it's not an easy skill, mm-hmm. and sure. I think it's something that I know, I know a lot of people say Jamar Jefferson's a physical guy and and he should be able to do it, but it's not. He's not going to be able to do it out of the gate. Okay, so you're yeah. saying Aleem McNeil, Lions' new RB4. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> I just, I, the only other thing I want to add to this is I've seen some fans asking, once again, it's trying, trying to do the min max on value, saying, well, why couldn't you have tried to get a trade value for uh, Carry On Johnson? I really hate to break it to you. No one's, pick, no one's calling you back if you're trying to trade Carry On Johnson. Maybe you're getting a seventh rounder out of him, but that's just not the value. As Jeremy says, running backs are a dime a dozen. Like I, you're, you're not getting a trade value out of this. The fact that they didn't try to trade him is not, is not a damning point and it should not be considered as such. If you're, if you, if you're getting mad at Brad Holmes, cause he didn't try to find trade value on carry on Johnson, you're playing too much Madden. Not to mention, you don't know if that's true because yeah. the, the one thing we learned about, we learned that carry on was getting waived on Wednesday night and it didn't go mm-hmm. through that day. So maybe, just maybe, someone leaks that Wednesday night and says, "Hey, we're about to wave carry on. Come get him." Mm-hmm. And yeah, because what? it's no it's, one, no one got him until. Well, then I, I I think someone would say to that like, "Oh yeah, but they know they can get him off the waiver wire." And then to that, I would respond, "You know, no, you know the waiver wire the waiver wire works in a certain way." And Philadelphia was just the first one at the front of the line that expressed interest and got him. Yeah, and you have to wonder since they were what nine or ten or something or. No, they were they were like twelve. I don't know. Yeah, the waiver wire is based on draft order, so they were they were in the upper third, I would say. So you have to wonder if anyone else put in a waiver claim. I actually thought I actually expected him to clear waivers because of all the knee injuries, but you know, some people like you. you a lot of times you see a yeah. I believe they were six by pick. the way. Yeah, oh, six before. The, oh, that's right. Before they, picking up, they Johnson, traded back. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, good call. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean, this this is the second former Lions running back that, that went to the Eagles and, and maybe they were they were happy with what they got before and saying like oh, maybe they're letting another talented guy go. Yeah, yes. who knows? Or or again, carry on might not even make the roster. It's it's just hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Remember, right now we're all at 90, 90 guys. We're all at ninety guys, and within uh, I would say about four months, we got to figure out how to shorten that down to f- f- uh, thirty seven of them are going to be without work. Yep. So. Grim reality of the AFL. Yep. It gets uh, tight real fast. So I want to take a quick break. I think that's a good place to start. Good start. Good start. Even though I'm like holding down my guts right now. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about what's happened with the tight ends. Uh, Josh Hill retired this week quite suddenly, and the Lions have already found his replacement. And we're going to tell you who that is and why they made that move and other kind of fun things. And also on the show, we're going to talk at some point about a commitment to the offensive line in money. Someone got paid. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast.
Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. If you've been watching us live on Twitch, you just saw us deal with technical issues and Ryan coming up with a slogan to tank for Malik Willis out of Liberty. So Drill us you, for Willis. You can. Well, I wasn't going to give it away. I was going to tell people <laughs> if they wanted to see what that's like, they can join us live every day on twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. Not every day. Uh, we record in the offseason, I would say every Monday, but sometimes those dates change. So the best way to know is follow us on Twitter at Pride of Detroit. And we'll let you know when. But that's we usually do it around 6 p.m. on Monday and you can have everything. And again, still download the show because that helps us out, too. Before we get back into it, we've been I redeemed the first of, I believe, seven or eight haikus we sold off during a charity stream we did back uh, late last year. I think it is time to redeem another one before we start talking about the tight ends. This one coming to you, courtesy of Josh Harrington, who says, I think a haiku about the 2012 Thanksgiving game would be fantastically, quote unquote, lions. So let me saddle up to the mic here. Let me uh, pull my my, uh, robe around me. Three kicks shall end this. First Sue's, then Gunther's playbook. Hansen shan't overcome. Don't snap. We got we got scolded for that last week, Jeremy. <laughs> I won't <laughs> snap on what? Oh, oh, they, they, yeah, 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 yeah. You're being okay. Intr- that. I, I thought I, you were going to snap on the fact that I'm bringing you back to, to, to the 2012 Houston Texans Lions. No, I'm 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 kind of surprised you went the the field goal route there and not the the uh, Justin Forsett. <laughs> Uh, oh. challenge fiasco. Well, the, 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 the struggle with a haiku isn't just like everyone knows it's five, right. seven, five for the syllables, but it's also supposed to be kind of cyclical, kind of like Finnegan's right. wake. You want to right. end it on like a, a um, something that kind of turns it into kind of this like cycle. So it f- goes back in itself. And I figured the best way to do that was Sue kicking, ha- kicking Schaub, mm-hmm. Gunther kicking his playbook and uh, Jason Hansen's kick off the uprights. I think it was well done. Thank for you. Sure. I will. I wasn't Thank trying you. to criticize it. I was. I no, just, I know. I, I like that you you took it in a different, uh, unexpected angle there. <clears throat> Jeremy's well, I, not the law. He just enforce it. <laughs> See the what the thing that rem- there remains with me for from that game is always going to be. Oh, you just made him leave. You just made him leave, and his microphone's gonna be busted when he comes back. <laughs> if we have to sit through more technical difficulties, I'm done. Oh, God. I was going to say, I uh, the one thing I remember about that game always is just it's it's always still going to be um, Schwar- Jim Schwartz uh, throwing that flag. That's that's what I remember from that game. Most of all. Yeah. Jeremy, you can hear us, right? Yeah, unfortunately. OK. And Good. your mic okay. still works. Awesome. And sweet. your mic still works. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, just fantastic. This is this is um, this is what we get when we are partners and totally professional in the pride of Detroit POD cast, the most reviewed lions podcast on the internet. So let's get into uh, some tight end to talk from that, from, from haikus and the 2012 Thanksgiving game into tight end to talk. So uh, kind of out of the blue this week, Josh Hill uh, suddenly retired. It was um, unexpected. Jeremy, I think we've kind of seen this more and more though with uh NFL players across the spectrum where they just they just decide, you know, when it's time to be done, it's time to be done. And I can't fault Josh Hill for that at all. 
And I'll let you get to Josh Hill in a second, but I think the news was interesting because right before the news broke of Josh Hill retiring, that the Lions were having a visit from former Lions tight end Darren Fells. Yeah. Um, yeah, eight, eight years in the in the NFL for Josh Hill. He hasn't really come out and, and said specifically why um, he retired, but it became official. It's, a long career. On, on it's all a long yeah. career anyway. For eight years in the NFL mm-hmm. at tight end, that's a long career. Yeah. And I mean, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter why. Um, it, it's not our position to to judge why. Um, but yeah, they, they bring in Darren Fells at the time. We think, oh, this is probably has to do with Hunter Bryant, right? Hunter Bryant gets put on the NFI mm-hmm. reserve, which means he's at least out six weeks of the regular season, dealt with some sort of serious non-football injury. So Darren Fells is coming in to, to be that kind of reception role, your you know, receiver role that that we thought maybe Hunter Bryant could take over this year. Well, turns out it's a little bit more serious than that. Um, Josh Schill retired. Lions needed a TE2. They don't have a lot of experience there beyond that. A bunch of basically guys who have never played in the NFL. So they bring in uh, Darren Fells. Almost signs immediately, signs almost an identical contract to Josh Hill. So in terms of cap hit, there's there's basically no difference. I, I still have to kind of figure out exactly what retirement means in terms of, of Josh Hill's cap hit. There's not it's not clear exactly how, how that all works out. But in the end, um, the Lions, I think, get a downgrade. Um, they, they certainly get a different player in in Darren Fells than they do in Josh Hill. I mean. I was really excited about the Josh Hill signing, to be completely honest. I thought it was a, a fantastic signing. I thought everything we heard from New Orleans was this guy. It was, you know, you know, the front door thing um, that, that Sean Payton said, like, this is a guy that they built game plans around. And uh, when when he was out, sometimes they were left with their hands in their pockets being like, what do we do now? And so, you know, I know he was mostly going to play a blocking role in Detroit, but um, it was going to be a significant one. And Darren Fells is good at it. He's not you know, build an offense around good at it, but he's good at it. He's better than an average tight end at blocking. And he brings you probably more receiving uh, chops than, than what um, Josh Hill was going to give you. But I still think it's a little bit of a downgrade, but given, you know, the, the 48 hours they had to potentially, um, you know, rectify the situation, I think they did as good as they could. It's just a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. I I view this as, Pretty much like a lateral move. I know that we were really high on Josh Hill and what he would open up for. I mean, let's be honest. That's going to be the strength of the Lions offense this year is going to be their running game. You know, with their offensive line, their <clears throat> their deep running back room. And, uh, you know, Josh Hill definitely seemed to, to fit into that plan. But I think what the Lions get in Fells is a guy who is two years removed from having 48 targets and catching seven touchdown passes. I mean, the guy has been a really effective red zone target. Um, I mean, just in his last three seasons alone, he's got 14 touchdowns. So um, this is something that's you know pretty impressive, I think. I think getting Darren Fells, I think that you could do a lot worse than getting Darren Fells. And it's awesome that he like immediately signed. I think that speaks to... I mean, he, he, had, he had his time here in Detroit, and it was with a different regime. So I think that must really speak to what the lions have now in their front office and their coaching staff. I was going to say, because from what I remember when Darren Fells left here the first time after, uh, you know, during the Boston boys era, it was not on good terms and he did not have a lot of flattering things to say about the organization at the time. Uh, from what I understand at the time, it was a very deep rift, but, um, he's coming back in and seems to, I mean, as, as with all things, you know, you, you need a job sometimes in the NFL, but he definitely seems to 
if you want to put a feather in the cap of is Brad Holm and Matt Campbell, are they changing the culture of the Lions? You want to put a feather in that column? The fact that Darren Fells came back through that door is uh, definitely, definitely in their favor. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, Fells never said anything publicly about the situation in Detroit when he was here. But from my understanding, uh, they did offer, I mean, he, he played well when he was in Detroit mm-hmm. and Detroit mm-hmm. wanted to bring him back. And it became very clear that he did not want to come back. Yeah, no, he based was based not, on everything not a big fan. Um, so, big yeah, fan. yeah, I think you're right. Um, the fact that he's willing to go back to an organization that he did not really enjoy his time here um, certainly speaks to um, Dan Campbell. And I mean, I mean, if, if there's one position you think that Dan Campbell can probably scout pretty good or at least, you know, recruit very well, it's probably the, the tight one, end position. The one he and, played in when he was in the league. Yes, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Um, and then the other really thing to to think about, I think, with this move is that it doesn't change like it doesn't change anything for the future. Like Josh Hill is probably only going to be around another year or two if he even wanted to continue to play. Darren Fells is, is you know, I think he's above 30 at this point or, or approaching 30. Yeah, he's going to be 35. Okay, but yeah, he's the, above 30. The, well, but the thing with <laughs> Fells that's kind of weird about his career is he didn't start playing until he was 28 in the league. So he's had a relatively short career, albeit he's a little bit older, but I could easily see Darren Fells taking over the Jared Cook role of like tight end that always like sticks around for like another year and another year and another year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, of- I, I was just going to say going forward, like I, I hate, I hate to say this to a bunch of Lions fans, but tight end remains a long-term need, right? Like yeah, kind of they had their chance. So. They had their chance. They could have moved up. <laughs> They had <laughs> stop that right. stop that listen i feel like you still need to kind of see what you have with tj hawkinson um but yeah if hawk doesn't turn out here pretty soon it's gonna be um it's probably no. gonna need be a need before long hawk, hawk has arrived i this has nothing to do with hawk this has everything yeah. to do with te2 who's the te2 for the future they i don't I, i'm not going to sit here and worry about a yeah. te2 <laughs> uh, but i'm saying like it's it's a neat like you don't think dan campbell wants to play 12 personnel and put two tight ends out on there on the, out there on the field i, I could see it i i 100 i think that the lions are probably going to be in 12 personnel most like more so than a lot of other teams like I, 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 I would i would venture to guess that maybe like they'll be in the top 10 in 12 personnel but can i have a hot take about darren fells real quick please he, i have he, i don't see why not he might he might be the second best pass catcher on the team. Wow. <laughs> Behind who? Hawk. Behind Hawk. So the two best pass catchers are. Are tight ends. A, a, a franchise tight end and a guy who just got signed. Because I'm not going to sit guy, here. Because <laughs> the other guy retired. See, the thing is, I can't really. I, I want to come up there with you, but this would require me to slander my great and powerful large son uh, Monroe St. Brown. So I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just right. saying who, who has more, you know, touchdown catches over the last three years. Tyrell <laughs> Williams or, or Darren Fells. <laughs> okay. So we're judging wide receivers and their, their, their hands by just touchdown catches. That's yeah. it. Okay. Well, Nothing you said else. You, you said you were bringing in a hot take, and you actually delivered. This this was way You're better welcome. than your bold predictions. Well, by the way, Tyrell Williams, I, I did the math. He has one more touchdown than Darren Fells, but wow, not as injury don't prone. Let facts. Don't <laughs> let numbers get in the way. Don't let numbers get in the way of that. That's true. Never let Frank numbers Rag, no get time. In the way. 
Frank Ragnow time. Let's talk about Frank Ragnow. Put that uh, last few minutes of just flop sweat behind us. <laughs> um, Frank Ragnow got extended. He got a lot. He's now the highest paid center in the NFL. And if there's anything for me that says commitment to the offensive line, I think I talked about it with the Sewell pick. Now we're getting Ragnow extended. And uh, how long is he? Do you have the numbers on this, Jeremy? How, how long is he like guaranteed for here now? Well, the full breakdown of the of the extension is not yet released to the public, but it's a four year extension. He already had two years on his deal. So they're adding 13 and a half million per year onto that deal, which means he's signed up until 2026. This is exciting. Um, That's Jeremy, so exciting. This might be a dumb question, but mm-hmm. what happens with his um with his option year do you know uh, the answer to that I, I believe it's just it's a year now it's there, okay. there is no option like he's he's signed in to it i believe okay that's okay. a good question though i'm actually not entirely sure um but yeah i i think i think the again the since the the, the nitty-gritty of details of the contract aren't available to the public i think the assumption is that uh option year has now just been exercised that um, makes sense yeah yeah and no, I, they actually no they, they already did exercise it a, yeah they a did. couple weeks ago they so did. yeah they did. yeah so it's already been exercised it's been added um and so the four years are on top of those two years then um and yeah it's 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 a commitment to the offensive line it's a commitment to uh culture too i mean we 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 raved about frank ragno last year and and not only you know his his midwestern kind of attitude coming from minnesota and just being a complete team player borderline captain, a guy who played through a fractured neck um, and, and a pro bowler. Um, he, he's, he's just basically got everything you want from a talent standpoint, from a, from a personal standpoint. And um, as, as Brad Holmes said in a statement, like this is a guy you build a franchise upon and center is one of the most important positions on offense. I'll say it again, because I don't think a lot of people realize it. Center is one of the most important positions on offense and the yeah. lions have theirs for six years. So that's, yeah. that's exciting for, for me. I, I think it was one of my like early takes on this podcast, too, was how much I feel like we don't talk enough about what centers will do for your offensive line. And you have that. And Decker is, you know, I, I think he does. He has he's until 2024. 2026, Sewell, 2026 now. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sorry. Decker, you said Decker. Sorry. 2024, yeah, yeah, no, no. Right, 2024. Sorry. I think there might be something in there that maybe you can. uh Something for 2025. So. I, I'm, I'm just looking at some numbers here real quick. I, I have these all like you. I have a lot of papers scattered around here digitally. And then Sewell's, you got his rookie contract until however long that that either goes four, there. Yeah, it'll be either four, 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 four years with years. a fifth option. So you're looking at both corners on your offensive line and your guard. Uh, I mean, and your and your center um, set up for a very long time. I think Decker. You know, if he keeps playing well, he'll probably just keep re-signing with the team, too. And, you know, right now the guard's a little transient. I feel like maybe that's a need for next year, Jeremy. Um, maybe not, I, I would say, a day one need. Maybe, like, day two or day three, depending. Um, but depends on Vitae. Depends on Vitae and depends on Jackson. But, I mean, that's a hell of a start. That's a hell of a start to something that's just going to continue to give you dividends to uh whatever you want to do on your offense that's that's long this is long term we're talking here for the nfl we're t- that's at least like you know we're talking for five seasons of something that doesn't get enough credit but is absolutely crucial to running whatever offense you want just set in stone 
Like, forget about quarterback for a second. <laughs> Just like every every team needs an offensive line, and your your quarterback, no matter how good he is, isn't getting those throws downfield without this set. And these guys play better when they play together for a long time too. This is um, this was this was good money. This was good money spent for the Lions. And I think I think you've talked about before, Jeremy. Like this is a long term plan for Lions. This is a sign for long term. For just long-term thinking, if nothing else. No uh, the one other, yeah, the one other thing I, I wanted to mention is that the Lions, kind of historically, for the past couple of decades, they've been pretty set up at center. I mean, Rayola played for the better part of fourteen years, mm-hmm. and then there was that brief transition where Travis Swanson showed Swanson a lot of promise, was, yeah. and just concussions ended his career, um, you know, too short. But uh, and then th- there was like the weird thing with Glasgow, and I think Glasgow could still like probably play center somewhere in the league if he wanted to. Um, but he's just kind of, I think, become more comfortable as a guard. And now the Lions have Frank Ragnow. So that's, um, I mean, that's definitely some place that you want to establish stability along the offensive line, like we already mentioned. So it's good that the Lions got that done. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like we'd be doing disservice to to Frank without mentioning his emotional press conference, because if you weren't a fan of Frank Ragnow before, I don't know how you couldn't after ever watching. I don't know if you guys have, have had the heart to to watch it because it's, it's an emotional thing where he he talks about how much this meant to his family. Um, you, you know, he, he talked about his, his childhood dream going back to the, the, the day before he, he signed pen to paper, he was over at his mother's house and they were looking through his school projects. He found a school project where he said, my dream is to go in the NFL and support my family. And just kind of coming upon that, that paper hours before he signs uh, the biggest you know, life-changing moment of his career. It's, it's an emotional moment. And, um, unfortunately didn't get to share it with his dad, which, you know, if if you, if you think back to his introductory press conference for the draft, dad was his best friend, um, was there every step of the way. He, he, he said, you know, he says he owes everything to him for where he was today. And, you know, (laughs) I, uh, I actually missed out on the press conference live because I was working on a piece, you know, an article and and I'm kind of glad I wasn't in on that zoom because it was very emotional just to, to watch. I was watching, I ended up, you know, just watching it live on YouTube like everyone else. Um, but you know, it, it, you know, not not to make things too personal again on on the POD cast as if we. Oh we no! When when have we ever done do. that, Jeremy? By all means, <laughs> put your guts out there. Come on. But Come on. but I know that exact pain that he's going through, in that you accomplish one of the biggest things in your life, and the first person you want to share it with is your dad, and he's not there. We got credentials for this website a couple months after my dad passed, and it felt weird not being able to share that news. Like, I, mean, I mean, when, when I first got the call from the lines, like I instinctively looked for his number on my phone and uh, it's, it's tough. And so seeing those raw emotions from Frank is something you don't really see a lot with. I mean, you see it, you see it here and then with NFL players, but a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of kind of, you know, big man mentality where people don't want to share their emotions. People, you know, people say, you know, don't, don't share your emotions on the internet, that sort of stuff. Um, but it's just, it's refreshing to see. And the guy is super likable and damn it. I want to buy his Jersey so bad, but I'm not going to. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to do that. Jeremy. <laughs> um, also at the same time, uh, thank you so much, Jeremy, for sharing that. But I, to, to bring it back to maybe a lighter news, the other part I like from the press conference is that, uh, 
this this he he basically put a trip to a fishing trip aside to come back in and sign that contract and went right back up to the up to go catch some bass so that's very that's very midwest as well yes yes it is <laughs> man likes but, to fish i mean who doesn't it is it is the off season baby bass ain't gonna catch himself so true all right. Uh, I think we're going to take a break here when we come back. Uh, I think we got some hot takes. We got more hot takes. Uh, there has been some rumblings about a rumor from the draft that Jeremy wants to touch upon and uh, get out once again, his. We'll just call it a fetish with trading down. We'll um, we'll, we'll call it we'll call it that. And uh, we'll uh, we'll play play around a little bit more close up shop. And uh, as we said, it's the off season. So plans kind of go out the window. Lions talk flows, though. And we keep taking your questions and doing more here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, wrapping up the show here. Once again, another great sh- time with chat about um, bad comedy, a bad comedy list from IndieWire, which um, people get mad if we go off topic here. So I'm going to steer us away from that. And instead, I have to give the floor to Jeremy to once again, rant about not trading down, which we have already determined is one of his fetishes in the NFL. Um, but Albert Breer report out and this week, the Lions were apparently getting trade offers that would have the that was, I, I think, quote, solid trade down offer from seven from where they drafted Panay Sewell. Uh, it was, I believe, what, what was it, Jeremy? A third rounder thro- was going to be like thrown in there, I believe. We, we, we don't know the details of the trade. Basically, Breer put out a, a really interesting story. And I, if you haven't read it, I, I certainly suggest to go go reading it. But he, oh, right. he you were t- the one you were the ones suggesting. Yes, the third I, round. That's why yeah, I'm, getting, I'm throwing I'm out too. a hypothetical. But we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Yes. Go and go yeah. in the Breer. The but Breer yeah, Breer, Breer basically, you know, he talked with Brad Holmes. He talked with Dan Campbell about everything that happened that night, about how excited they got for Sewell and all all that sort of things. And in the midst of it, Brad Holmes kind of spilled, spills a bean and says, hey, yeah, we, we had a, a, a competitive offer on the table when we were on the clock at seven. Um, it was a trade down to a spot where there's where we theoretically would still have a chance at Sewell. So you have to think basically trading down to eight, nine or ten, probably no further than that, because Sewell dropping out of the top ten wasn't going to happen. Um, but they decided Sewell was their guy. They loved him. They had decided, you know, they had had a Zoom call with him earlier in the week that basically made it, you know, so, so sealed the deal. He even said after the, the draft to us, he considered trading up for Sewell. So begs the question, one, did he make a mistake? Not well. OK, so let, let's before before we talk about the specific whether you, you would have been OK with the lines trading down to seven, eight or nine and getting whatever it was. I want to bring up a bigger point, and it's one I, I briefly touched base on during our, our locker room on Saturday, which is, did Brad Holmes fall a little bit too much in love with some of these prospects? Because 
Not only did he almost trade up for Panay Sewell, he almost did it for Levi Onzerike. He did do it for Derek Barnes. He, he thought about doing it again uh, with, I think it was, was it the corner? I think it might have been, the, I think it might have been uh, the corner. But basically, he's talking about all these guys that he was super excited to get and, and almost went up and got. And, and all these high character, high football guys. My concern throwing this report in here is that, yeah, maybe he got a little too hyper-focused on one guy because, listen, you get, you get some of these wrong. And if you, if you box yourself into one person, you suddenly shut your eyes to, to other potentials. Like the, only, the Lions aren't going to succeed because they only got Panay Sewell. There are different routes to be successful. And maybe Brad Holmes seriously considered all these other options. Maybe he didn't. But the one consistent thing that I heard from him over the three nights was he had one guy that he had in mind and was, was locked in on that guy. And and to me that's that's at least mildly concerning, and and so I mean listen I don't think it bit him in the butt this this draft I think he did get get good value everywhere you go, but you know who also fell in love with some very specific guys. Matt Patricia fell in love with a lot of specific guys. He fell in love with Jelani Tavai, and and grabbed a guy that didn't have to grab at that point because he fell in love with that guy. So I I see a lot of people you know responding to my minor criticism saying. No, no, no. You just go out and you get your guy. That That's a great strategy until it stops working. And I know we all want to have a lot of faith in Brad Holmes. And I do have more faith in Brad Holmes than I do as Bob Quinn as a scout, because one, he has a much better resume from the Rams than, than Bob Quinn did with, with the Patriots. But I'm just saying there's a danger in going out and getting your guy and not understanding that there are other guys out there. You're not always going to get your guy, so maybe don't get too aggressive and either pass on better deals or get aggressive and trade up and get your guy because that could get you in trouble. The best way to to ensure that you're giving yourself the team the best chance to succeed in the draft is to maximize your draft capital, and I think there there may have been an opportunity that he dropped the ball there. That is all fair and good. Um, however, I, I think this was the right move to stick with seven. I think that you know, maybe it's just the way he talks sometimes. Maybe he's just excited afterwards when talking about guys. And again, I, I think a draft is mutable. Sometimes you do want to trade up and get guys. And sometimes that is the right, the right decision to make. Um, I think when it comes down to it, though, is you just look at the board that was there past Sewell. And like, yeah, there was definitely certain needs for the Lions. And we saw if they had traded down to like eight or nine, probably, uh, you know, uh, they're 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 probably drafting one of those corners that went off. They're either certain or horn or maybe they're even going after a wide receiver. Maybe even as people wanted Justin Fields, kind of hard to tell without knowing what was next on the board. Maybe even Rashawn Slater. He went 13. But I think the value, I mean, again, you don't I don't know what he'll become. But when we're talking about someone who started on Oregon's offensive line at the age 17. I don't want to miss that. <laughs> I really don't. Um, and I think it, it's not even just going for a guy you love. It's going for a guy you love that is going to be that fits a strategy that the Lions are pursuing, too, which has been to. And we've seen it now between Sewell plus the Ragnow extension, which is to invest in the offensive line to set that as your identity for years to come. Uh I think I'd probably have to see whatever trade offers were turned down. But I think when you're in the top 10, you just go and get unless you are getting a massive King's ransom, then I'm not interested in 
moving away from some of the talent, especially in this draft where we saw after Sewell, there was definitely a step down uh, for, for value at certain positions, for certain premium positions. Uh, the only one that really hadn't gone off the board at that point was corner. And did the Lions need someone like J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertin? Um, maybe, but I think they got better with Sewell. I, and maybe they would have gone down further and missed out on more, on more uh, top talent. Maybe had to go with the next tier down, but I don't know. Maybe this is a case where I love Sewell, but I think at, at some point the value is great, Jeremy, but at some point like you do need to land your guy. Like you do need to get someone who is going to be the guy who you think is not only going to fit in your system, fit with everything your scouting has told you and is going to chart to be that guy that you need for the future. But he's also got to be available at the end of the day. And we definitely we saw the risks of that, right? When the Eagles war room is is mad as hell at the Lions for because they they snipe them on someone they wanted because they traded down. Well, let me respond to a couple of things there. One, yeah. this is not just about the Sewell pick. I like Sewell a lot. I think he's he's a great pick there, and I, I get that. It's it's more just the overall strategy. I get that. Yeah, is, is falling in love with your guy. Second of all, fuck that Eagles trade. That doesn't <laughs> that, that does not count towards this because if you're trading three spots for a six rounder pick, that's not a good trade down. I don't care about that extra six round pick. Throw that pick in the garbage when you're at the top of the draft. You get more for your buck when you trade down. You move down three spots in the first round. You're getting a hell of a lot more than you are a six rounder. Second of all, when you're at the top of the draft, you're getting better players. Even if you do trade down, there are better players available. So to me, when you're in the third round, the margin of of difference between player is is not. I don't care about trading down or up once you get to round three because the the you're you're usually not giving up or getting many resources. When you do it at the top of the draft, though, that's when you get the real value of trading down because you still get a shot at a really good player. And Brad Holmes said himself, if they weren't going to go with Sewell, he was either going, there's two other guys. He didn't name them, but he said one of them played a different position and one of them played a very similar position to Sewell. So he basically said Rashawn Slater was right there in the cluster of players he was willing to be willing to take. And so you trade down a couple of spots where he says he could have gotten Sewell, potentially could have gotten Sewell. Well, he probably wouldn't have, but he could have gotten Rashawn Slater. And that puts them on the exact same track that they are, but probably with at least a day two pick. Well, I think I think the the issue there is, again, it's a matter of where they go, because Rashawn Slater was immediately snapped up by. Yeah, at 13, at 13. Again, it all depends on where they go. They weren't going to trade back that far. He Brad Holmes said he the offer was at a spot where they thought there was still potentially a chance they would get Sewell. That's not past 13. Okay. I can guarantee you that. I have some thoughts. Mm-hmm. OK, um, so first of all, I, I think I think I, I see where you're coming from, Jeremy, and I, I can understand it. But the one thing that really stuck out to me about the Breer article was the unity that everybody had when it came to Sewell being the pick. And it's not so much the fact that they took Sewell at seven. It's that they all needed to buy in on it. So it almost seems we're talking about all these things that almost happened. Like, you know, he almost traded up for Sewell. He almost traded up for uh, Anzawerki. He, you know, uh, I mean, he did eventually trade up for Derek Barnes. But like, I think the thing is, is that all these things almost happened, but they didn't because maybe not everybody in the room was on board with it. So like, hey, if I'm if if we had a war room, I would pound the table for my guys and I would be you think you guys wouldn't have to fight tooth and nail to get me not to trade future assets to get Kyle Pitts. 
you're out of your goddamn minds. <laughs> but like, <laughs> the thing is that everybody needs a governor on them. And maybe that's one of the things that Brad Holmes excelled at being the director of college uh, scouting for the Rams, like with less need. I mean, there, there's I feel like there's so many times like yeah. one person can't be making all the decisions. I think that was the problem that I think that was the problem that Bob Quinn ran into yes. because he was essentially kind of he was the the voice in that room for Matt Patricia. So yeah. like that kind that didn't really do much because the type the type of players that, you know, Matt Patricia wanted, he wanted like the opposite of the kind of guys that, you know, Brad Holmes prioritizes. Not saying that they're going to instantly be better draft picks, but I still think that Brad Holmes adhered to his principles and like he relied and leaned on his staff when when he needed them. So I, I get where you're coming from and there's like maybe like a dash of concern, but at the end of the day, like most of those things did not happen. Um, and, and, yeah, the, no, yeah. that's, that's a really good point. It is. And I think John Dorsey, you, you have to imagine his voice oh, yeah. was, was huge on, on draft weekend. And, and I mean, we also have to consider the fact like this was Brad Holmes first draft. This is his first time in the captain seat. Uh, so yeah, he probably got over eager at times and got really excited about certain guys. Or maybe, oh, maybe he got he, excited. He, you think Brad Holmes got excited about drafting? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I was gonna like, say too. Maybe this is just him just being earnest about there too. It's like yeah, maybe I I thought about maybe trading up, but like you know he can think that, but then that doesn't come across either. Like yeah, that gets shot down by committee, or it's like. He, he thinks that at first, but then rethinks things and is like, OK, no, maybe that's not the right thing to do here. Let's just see how the board plays out, which is basically what happened at the end of the day, too. Yeah. And I mean, he he said specifically, like there were times that w- in which the, the room calmed me down and, and, and talked to me kind of not off the ledge, but like off the, <laughs> you know, off off Phone. the table, maybe <laughs> off the table. I get it. Like, I tables. totally get it. Like as to, to Ryan's point, like this is the draft is basically it's a high. It is. I, I, the cliche, I would, I, I hate to use the cliche, but high stakes poker game is probably the right way to go where it's like, you're just looking at who's in front of you in that draft. And, you know, we, we can all do any kind of mock we want sitting here as fans, but ultimately you're at the mercy of everyone in front of you, what they do, who they trade with, who they pick, where those things come to you. It's not always an ideal situation. So yeah, I get it. Like if, if you're, I, I would be stressed as hell. Well, and, and and to to put a button on this and, and to prove that I'm not just like I'm freaking out about Brad Holmes and think he's a, <laughs> a horrible GM. He said it himself, like one of the things he learned from the draft was patience and it was from those around him. And so I hope he does carry that forward and I hope he doesn't necessarily get locked into one specific guy because like I, I continue to say, like there, there are more routes than one to success in the NFL draft. And um, if you I think if you get your you, you lock onto one guy, you're opening yourself up to to a whole bunch of trouble, because sometimes if you just miss on evaluations, everyone does the best GMs out there miss on evaluations. Um, so I, I hope he learned um, those, those safeguards might not be there forever. John Dorsey might not just be hanging out in the Lions front office forever. Uh, Ray Agnew could potentially get a, a GM job somewhere else. So eventually it's going to at least be more on his shoulders than it probably was this year. And and I hope he learned from it. And, and 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 like I said, like nothing went particularly wrong this year. Maybe they missed out on an extra day two pick from trading down and, and getting a guy like Sewell instead, or 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 whoever you had as your OT two or OT three that that might have been able to step in at right guard and be at least in the ballpark of what Penny Sewell will be. But if if that's the worst thing to come from the draft is that the Lions didn't get an extra pick, like 
well then hell he must have done a, a fantastic job so I'm, I'm willing to ride this out i'm just i'm just there's just like i said during the 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 locker room there's just a voice in the back of my head it's like uh-oh. Yeah, you're Mr. Trade Down. You're Mr. Trade Down. But listen, uh, you you said someone in Panesul's bar ballpark. Let me be clear. There's no one in Panesul's ballpark from that last draft class. No we'll one. See. We'll no see. No one. Right, right tackle position. Not even a left tackle. I know. No one. <laughs> no one. Well, let let's hope let's hope that doesn't get clipped in play for you in three three years. <laughs> I am always wrong on this podcast. You should, know, you should know that by now. Not, not well. I mean, I'm not always wrong, but when I'm wrong, people try to own me with being wrong. And let me tell you, I there's been enough people who have beat me down and told me I'm wrong in my life to the point where I just I don't care. You could own me with that all you'd like, as long as you're not leaving a one star review saying Chris sucks on on Apple Podcasts. I'm fine. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> Are we getting out of here? Yeah, I think I think we've uh, chewed all the fat off this bone. I think right. we're uh, I think we're good. I've just Ryan, got a couple Ryan's of things got, to say. What's up, Ryan? I you're gonna make me want to defend the den. Drill us for Willis. Let's go. Everybody is a flame. That. Let's go. We uh, we shared that uh, Ryan shared that athletic article. If you haven't read it yet, on Derek Willis, the quarterback Malik at Willis. Uh, Malik Willis. What I say, Derek Willis. My yeah, you're being adequate. Malik adequate. Um, Malik Willis, who is the Auburn transfer down to uh, Falwell U, uh, Hugh Freeze's program, Liberty. Fine, I'll, I'll stop being petty. Um, but uh, is there a lot of Kool Aid in the article, uh, reader? Uh, listener, you best believe like that Kool-Aid was oozing out of the pores of myself and Ryan Matthews spilling all over the Pride of Detroit slack in a very slick scene. Um, I'm I, I really want Willis. I, I need to I need to see who else is going to step up in 2021. But uh, rest assured, someone's going to be watching Liberty football. I have their schedule as a background on my phone. Oh, my God. I will absolutely <laughs> never forgive you. <laughs> for getting us into somehow squeezing in 2022 draft talk in freaking May. <laughs> you know, it's happening. You know, it's happening. This T everyone wants a new quarterback. Everyone's news new wants new shiny toy before Jared Goff plays a single snap in a lion's Jersey. Jeremy Reisman is the biggest Jared Goff fan for this reason alone. The, the yep. more he can stave <laughs> off draft talk, the better. I mean, Malik Willis is not going to be there at 30, so who cares? With the Rams? No, but pick? he will. Yeah, and the lines are going to be 32. <laughs> Damn it, you, you, sniped, you, sniped my, you sniped my joke. I was going to say he's going to be there at five because that's where the Rams are going to be picking. <laughs> Lions, Rams, NFC Damn. Championship. We're calling it right now. Ew, ew. I don't want that. I don't want my That'd loyalties tested. I don't want my loyalties tested this early, Jeremy. You would want that? Absolutely. What kind of what kind of emotional toll will you undertake oh, by watching that football game, Jeremy? It will absolutely destroy me. But we're talking about the Lions in the NFC Championship game. But that's all that matters sub. in that equation. You want to be stepped on by Matthew Stafford, and it disgusts me. Last time talk, I talk checked, about fetishes. Wow. <laughs> Last time I checked, Benay Sewell's projected receptions for twenty twenty one not great. Zero. No, not a playmaker. Not not a playmaker. No, you just got nice feet. Speaking of fetishes, 
Okay. Get too many. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Please, please bind yourself to us with uh, by subscribing on the podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, no more jokes. We're out of here. See you, Starside. Rex Ryan's favorite podcast. <laughs>